Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. This is a totally different job than he took seven years ago. Pete Thamel. The only surprise of going off the rails is Dan mentioned a book and he didn't write it. (laughs) I did not. I did not. (laughs) With SI's Pat Forty. With Harbaugh, he's such a prideful guy that it's probably more like, hey, you you basically pushed me in a corner and tried to run me out. And then I showed how good I can be here and I'm, I'm ticked off. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. National championship game is here upon us. Alabama, Georgia, two best teams heading to Indianapolis Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Although, you know, it's probably like 827 or something. Yeah. Yeah. They're liars. (laughs) Whenever ESPN runs out of promo material and advertisements, they'll get around to kickoff. It's like uh, trying to ascertain when a boxing match is actually going to (laughs) begin. It's like, well, you know, like they're monitoring the pay-per-view sales. So, you know, they got to get everybody in. Like, that's a lie. I don't believe the kick will be at eight. Sully, you love World Cup soccer. You love soccer. Mm -hmm. One thing I love about soccer is when the game says it's going to start at eight, damn thing starts at eight, oh, 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 oh. That's right. And then ends in two hours and unless there's extra time. A couple minutes that that, that end end thing is weird. But it starts when it says it's going to start. They do all the rigor morale before all of that. Line up, get your pictures anthems whatever prompt this i don't know all right so we're gonna get to that game kind of a big game kind of a big also game. got the fcs title game espn two at noon montana state for north dakota state i'm hearing all these sec fans complaining about how cold it's gonna be and they're bitter because the cold guys are going to frisco texas <laughs> this thing should be played in like uh an oil patch in like wilston something like that north, Williston, dakota. north dakota there you go yeah. baby do it on, on a f- absolutely frozen oil patch. In the shadows of Mount Rushmore, we bring you the FCS <laughs> well, title game. That's South Dakota. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the shadows I, of Canada. I've been to I both really, Dakotas. I just, I'm just trying I, to think I've never of, been to the South Dakota. I'm on Dakota. I'm a North Dakota guy. Uh, I read a good book about Williston, the, the Good Hand. It's about mm. this guy who went and became an oil field worker. If you're, like, bored because okay. college football is about to end, there's an excellent book. Huh. All right. I mean, it's great, great memoir. This dude is, I mean, it's just brutal. Worst work you could possibly imagine. Out there freezing, <laughs> trying to get oil out of North Dakota. Anyways, we're off the rails. I'm doing great. <laughs> Katie uh, Ledecky's Caleb, family from Williston, North Dakota. In case you need it. Really? 
Yep. A lot of pools up there. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. It's where her, her mom grew up in North Dakota. Okay. There you go. The only surprise of going off the rails is Dan mentioned a book and he didn't write it. <laughs> I did not. I did not. It's a hell of a book. This is, I mean, don't, if you're going to buy a book, buy mine. Yeah. It's but no epic you, athletes, if, but it's a very good book. If you've exhausted all of my purchases, <laughs> you can move on to the good hand. Do you get a good Christmas spike on epic athletes, Dan? Get a good holiday know. bump? I don't know. The The book industry is uh, not really up. The up-to-date da- data is not really up. <laughs> yeah. You literally get paid like virtually like a six months late after yeah. everything. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, we're working on it. It's quite an industry. All right. Much quicker transfer portal. Let's start with a couple of news items before we get to these title games. There you go. Caleb Williams has left Oklahoma. Massive free agent came in, expected to sit behind Spencer Rattler, who's also already left. Nobody's staying in Oklahoma, I don't believe. And uh, obviously, Rattler struggled this year. Caleb came in during the Red River shootout and uh, assumed the starting job the last seven games. Huge deal. Um, Big tumult on opt-outs and transfer portal. This one has, I don't know, upset some people. I certainly get Oklahoma fans who are are troubled by it. But what are you going to do? I don't know. Thoughts on this, Pat? Um, I mean, a big one. Big, big name in the portal. I, I don't blame him. I perfectly understand it. I mean, this is a guy that uh, came to play for Lincoln Riley. Played for Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley left. Uh, Dan, as you put it, uh, and and I had the temerity to retweet it. Uh, I mean, he was following the example set by his school and his head coach and t- finding an opportunity he deemed to be better. So... Uh, it'd be fascinating to see where this ends up. If he does go to USC, wow, he got that, that, them and him and Jackson Dart, at least for the moment. You never know if then maybe Jackson Dart looks to move uh, as the, the musical chairs keeps going. But uh, it's big. It's very big. I, I'm interested in you guys' thoughts on whether Oklahoma is in a better place now than they were in July. Because I don't think they are. And boy, does do Oklahoma fans disagree with me on that. They think that it's fine to lose your head coach, all of your quarterbacks, <laughs> two of your receivers, uh, your 2023 five-star quarterback, uh, et cetera, and you're fine. You're not just fine. You're better. So, The, the Caleb Williams uh, piece of this has been really, uh, really interesting to me. In, in a lot of ways, Like it's the most interesting story looming over the sport right now because he's really going to end up indicative and Dan wrote a good column about it of this era of free agency that we're in. You know, I've talked to his dad, Carl, a couple times as they're, as they're moving forward here. And I think 10 years from now, we'll remember Caleb Williams as being a transformative figure in the shift to players having the power now or players getting a lot more power than they've ever have. I mean, these schools are like lining up trying to see what they can do to lure Caleb Williams to uh, to go to school there. And it's uh, it's a you know, it's a really fascinating dynamic. And I think there's a there's a strong aura of mystery where uh, where he's going to end up. Carl Williams has told me that they're that they're wide open right now. They don't have uh, they don't have a destination planned in the most pivotal part of what they're looking for in terms of uh, in terms of a place is training for the NFL. They feel like, and if you really dial in on how many college football coaching staffs have NFL-specific quarterback training available, there was only a handful, 
right? There's not a lot of programs that fit that criteria. So you're narrowing it down to the Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, UCLA, Texas. I, I'm going to miss uh, miss a few. Obviously, USC can't argue with what Lincoln's done with there, but they want they want an offense that looks like what he'll do starting in 2024 in the league. And so it's just interesting to see that power shift, and it's interesting to see how much you know they will be able to control what they do and where they go. Yeah, look, it, this is about business. Caleb Williams is in the quarterback business. It's the problem is trying to it's it's always the the inherent conflict of college athletics or any athletics is how do you uh, any pro athletics, too, because fans want a guy to stay and the players want to make as much money as they possibly can. And it's just a it's you have an emotional attachment to a team. They may not. If you're Caleb Williams and you're his family and they have done this from the start, as Pete has reported uh, throughout, this is about how do I get to the league? Uh, I think in one of your stories, Pete, uh, Carl Williams' dad said, look, the difference between the number one pick and the 15th pick is $20 million. And that's if you don't even pan out. Caleb Williams projects to be a top five pick in a couple of years. If he is good, he projects to get one of these second quarterback contracts, which like last year, Josh Allen signed a, one that could be worth $258 million. It's $150 million guaranteed dollars for Josh Allen. Real good player, but we're not even talking Mahomes. Right. Right? Mahomes got half a billion coming, potentially. Right? You're talking generations of wealth laying on what happens in the next few years. Not just the two to get you drafted, but how prepared are you going in? Will you get that second contract? I mean, you're talking tens of millions right away, and then hundreds of millions in the next seven years. Of course you're going to be like, that matters more than just about anything. Oh, you got to play for the love of the team. Nobody who ever said that had hundreds of millions of dollars laying on the line. And so for Caleb Williams, he goes to Oklahoma because of Lincoln Riley. He didn't grow up in Oklahoma City, he grew up in Washington, D.C. He didn't go to Oklahoma to watch the sunset over the, the oil fields. Okay. All this didn't want to ride around the Sooner Schooner. Like he all didn't those grow are up knowing all four words to the Sooner fight song. Sooner, sooner. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, it, they did keep it simple. They do keep it simple. <laughs> so when his coach leaves, you go, well, you you know, you got to you're and look, he's got a great situation. He's a starting quarterback at Oklahoma, right? What a I mean, in the on the list of like great things to be. The star freshman quarterback at Oklahoma is very high on the human race scale of like your <laughs> upper like great experiences. You know what's even better? Being the star quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys at 27, <laughs> making $250 million. Correct. So you can't equate it. Of course, he's going to follow. He's, he's And he goes in the portal and says, hey, he can't just guarantee. Look, we just Brent Venables, great coach, the defensive coordinator from Clemson. I don't know. Right. You don't know. Like he should listen. And it's just money, and it, it, it sucks as a fan. I get it. Everybody who's been a fan of college, but certainly in pro sports, you sit there and, you know, you watch these guys come, and then they they go to the highest bidder, right? They leave for the Yankees. They leave for the Dodgers. They leave for whatever. They leave for the Lakers. And you're like, you know, LeBron James goes to Miami. They burn all his stuff. Then he comes back, and they all love him, right? <laughs> um, it sucks. It, it hurts. And it's not great for the game. And pro sports try to do everything they can to minimize that. You can offer more money if you're re-signing them. You can start negotiations earlier, right? You could keep Josh Allen by offering a deal now so he he doesn't 
he would have to risk going into that final season and get injured. So they do stuff to minimize this. College football has none of that, except for you can only transfer once. But that's where we're at. I don't know what to say more on that. You can say more on that, but I would ask this, maybe back to either of you. If you were Caleb Williams, where would you go? USC makes a lot of sense, I think. And and they've made it very clear that they're not afraid of competition. Jackson Dart's a really good quarterback, maybe potentially a great one. But when he went to and bumped out Spencer Rattler with the help of Rattler underperforming, uh, I mean, it showed that that they're like, you know, we think Caleb's going to be the best quarterback on any roster he's going to be on. So if you want to go play for a guy who has tutored quarterbacks who are starting in the NFL and were number one picks and you want to play in a place where you are going to get a lot of exposure and the NIL opportunities could be through the roof, hard to top uh, USC, in my opinion. I mean, that, that's a lot right there that fits what they are looking for. Uh, you would, he, If he is in the business of being a quarterback, that would make USC, to me, very hard to beat. I think that there's, there's really, in a perfect world, for what Carl Williams wants – You'd go to Alabama because, and that's assuming Bill O'Brien sticks around. Now, I was stunned Bill O'Brien didn't get more traction in the last coaching carousel. When you look at some of the some of the coaches that were hired at at, at pretty good jobs, I, I think we've talked about this on the pod a little bit. I think Bill O'Brien's resume and what he's accomplished far outweighs pretty much every coach who was hired in this cycle, quite frankly. And but obviously, you uh, you have a little traffic in front of you there with that pesky Heisman winner uh, and Bryce Young sitting in front of you in the quarterback room. But if if what Carl Williams wants purely is development. I would argue that, that that is the best place to go if you want to be developed for that. Now, playing is a huge part of development. And then from there, like it's it it's not an easy question. The 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 destination is going to depend on the relationship between the family and Lincoln Riley and whether that got frayed with with his departure. I, I agree with Pat. Like that is in terms of if you are the player responsible for getting USE going again, that's going to be a huge, you know, huge, huge thing. Think about Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush are still household names and they're on television because of it. Like if they had gone to Cal, they would not be household names right now. There's a power to locking the USC brand with success again. People are dying for USC to be good. Just like people were waiting for Notre Dame to come back. People are waiting now for Miami to come back. Like college football is is the nostalgia business. And we all want to feel the same feelings of these programs winning. And USC is on the cusp of feeling some nostalgia again. So um, I do think like it, it is really hard to argue with Lincoln Riley's pedigree in terms of turning out guys who could win the Heisman and be number one picks. But you could dig in a little bit and say, does that offense really translate up and how much does it translate up? And one thing I know I've learned about scheme in, in, in college football is that you have to know what you don't know. And there's a certain point where I can't sit here and dial in on, okay, that's a, that's a pro read and that's a college read and, and stuff like that. There's stuff that's always going to be over our heads, but it would be really interesting to take a study on his offense and how it translates up and how prepared Kyler Murray was and how prepared Baker Mayfield was and these these guys who've obviously uh, Jalen Hurts, you know, have gone through there. 
and and really grown and flourished under uh, under Lincoln. And so I guess the the missing ingredient there is that last transferable part. And and I will just fully admit that that's that's a that's a pinch over uh, over my very limited intellectual uh, football intellectual threshold. Although my general intellectual threshold is very limited too. So it's 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 it is it it is a pretty good conundrum because if you have to make a list of college coaches, coordinators, quarterback coaches with NFL transferable experience, it's a list of less than 10. It's 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 fascinating issue, right? I, I, I totally agree. Like, where do you go? Like, the most obvious one to me, and I, I don't think he'd go there, and I'm not sure he should, but is Michigan. Jim Harbaugh was a 15-year NFL quarterback, and he coached Alex Smith in, in the pros. He took Colin Kaepernick to the Super Bowl. He coached and recruited uh, Andrew Luck. He has not had the great quarterback at Michigan. The, the, the stunner of all stunners on Michigan was, I thought, tran- you know, we tie more back seven years when Jim Harbaugh gets that job. I'm like, oh, the quarterback's going to line up to play for him. It's Michigan. Tom Brady's alma mater, right? They've had a greasy, all these guys have come through. Never really had it. I don't, you know, and they, they've got two pretty good ones right now. And J.J. McCarthy could be really good. But there's a guy who's, I mean, what what resume more do you want than that? He, like he's literally been playing quarterback his whole life. He, he survived 15 years in the NFL, not as a super talented quarterback, but as this guy who managed, you know, do you sit there and what about Chip Kelly, right? Chip Kelly coached in the NFL. You're out in LA. I don't know. Do you want to play? What about like Tony Elliott of Virginia? He had Trevor Lawrence. He had Deshaun Watson, right? Now he's, now he's the head coach of Virginia. You're going to step right in there, but you're also not going to have any receiver room. Like you had at Oklahoma or you'd have at Alabama, which, I, again, I don't think he's going to Alabama, or Ohio State if he wanted to go there. I don't think Ohio – like, if I'm Ohio State, I don't – that's scary because you're just you, – you're throwing a bomb into your locker room saying, well, we, we got CJ as our guy. Everything's looking good for Ohio State. Like, how much better is he than CJ Stroud? Maybe he's a little bit better, but is that worth angering everybody or whatever? I don't know. Dan, to double down on your Michigan point, I think the Stroud point carries up. Like Michigan won this year for a lot of reasons. One of them was togetherness and juju and locker room unity. Like that place was aligned, you know, new staff, new energy, locked and loaded. You bring in Caleb Williams, you could send two pretty darn good quarterbacks to the portal. And then do you alienate the locker room and do you give up some of those good vibes? And that's that's where we, uh, you know, that's kind of where we are. And that's what these head coaches who, who are looking, who, you know, who are looking at Caleb Williams have to decide. And Here's my my last point on uh, on the Williamses, and I apologize for butting in. Is this is a little bit like this period of college football? Now the the title game is gonna be great on Monday. We're all excited about it. We you know we're, we're gonna dig into it later. But the, the Caleb Williams thing reminds me a little bit of NBA free agency, where people care more where LeBron James is gonna go than they do about the NBA regular season. Like this Caleb Williams story has sucked up an enormous amount of of oxygen in this news cycle. It to me, there's some parallels to the intrigue because look, Alabama's playing Georgia, and that's great, and those fan bases care, and people in the Southeast are going to care. But the Caleb Williams story, there's a lot more interconnectivity, and that's why it's been such a big story. Oh, could he go to SC? Oh, would Clemson take him? Oh, is Notre Dame a spot? Is Michigan a spot? Like what Ohio? Like there is there's more connectivity and more juice to the story and more intrigue to the story because. There's potential ripples at so many different places. And I really do feel like the power is shifting to the athlete. We're seeing the power shift to the athlete. And we're seeing it in the news cycle. 
this Caleb Williams story is a huge national story. 100%. And I, as someone who's covered a number of NBA finals and covered the ones where LeBron was in and it was like, is he walking out the last time of Cleveland? Like it, it, it because the free agency's right after, um, you know, the, the NBA finals end on Father's Day and free agency's July 1st. So it, it does over overwhelm even a, even a, an NBA final, especially when it gets like three, one on a game, a series or something like that. No, I, I, I agree with you. And then, so there, there's two other aspects to this. Like if you want to make the biggest splash to me in terms of attention, potential legendary status, I'd go to Notre Dame. Notre Dame's really good, but they need Caleb Williams. Right. And it's this huge brand and you got the whole thing and they're gonna open the season, Ohio state, like, Holy cow, go to Notre Dame. Uh, you may not get the, we're going to promise you seven, this this NIL money, but the long play, that's the short cash. The long play money, I would go to Notre Dame. Do you want to play? Like one of the things I talked about, Josh Allen, Ben Roethlisberger is just ending a career. Jared Goff's still playing. Like a lot of these guys that got a lot of reps in college football are the ones that still do well in the NFL. And because they they learn a lot, right? Like Josh Allen played at Wyoming. They were never any good. So what? He's really good now. He learned how to play football. That's right. Um, you should go or, sit behind Hinton Hooker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, <laughs> you going to get him some ribs, uh, Sully, from the, uh, from the groomer's rib joint there? You're ready yes. for that? Mm-hmm. You're ready for that, Sully? I mean, I don't know. Those are all the different. Like, again, do you, you go to Virginia because this guy's got a track? I don't know. Does he have a track record? Is that how you see Tony Elliott or not? Do you go to like? What do you want to do? There's so many variables. It's such a wild deal, and and so people just screaming it's going to be this or that. Like I, I don't feel bad for the. I mean, this is good problems to have, right? It's a much bigger decision than, and it's not an obvious decision on where to go. Pat, right? No, no, I agree. I mean, and I mean, you guys made a lot of compelling points for a lot of different places. Uh, the, uh, I guess the the window. You know, if, if we have to bring up the pesky academics here, you know, he, he wants to be enrolled, I would think, for the, for the winter semester, spring semester, whatever the hell we're, we're in, in now. So, L-O-L. You know. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean. Like, even Stanford, even your beloved Stanford or Notre Dame be like, oh, well, uh, yeah, well, you know, we got a spot yeah, for you. You can't really show up in February. Okay. I don't think you can mm. show up in February. But aren't, is Stanford on the quarter system still, Pat? Yeah, Stanford started. Yeah, so just skip the first quarter. Yeah, <laughs> you're not gonna miss any spring ball. You can find a school on quarters. You could skip All the right. first quarter. Professor Forty apparently is oh, now. I, yeah, I'm thinking from a actual eligibility standpoint, you can't go and practice with the team in spring practice if you're not enrolled in school. That would be the a, point. I will say this: it would be hysterical if a player like this, this huge thing, and then he just becomes ineligible because he missed like associate. Like there was really a professor still out there. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think but there is what an admissions the- office. What was the last guy at Stanford or Notre Dame as good as the? And I do believe those two schools try harder than anybody else to 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 have some balance. What was the last one that was academically ineligible? Oh, there's there's been some. They they, they don't announce it really anymore. They just no. say so and so is is not eligible to play this semester quarter, or is taking this quarter off, or is transferring suddenly to somewhere else. Anyway, uh, gonna. Go ahead. But not like you literally have to enroll in school. I'm not saying he's he's not going to get good enough grades, but you do have to enroll. You do and have I'm to go sure. to the school. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, no one's going to argue not with the all. enrollment argument. Yes, you must not, be enrolled. Not, uh, online class. Didn't like. Just didn't shows up at practice. Can I get a jersey? 
<laughs> Didn't Burrow just take everything online? Eh, online, whatever. Yeah. It's good. Don't care. Burrow was a fifth year senior, but yeah, that's oh. true. All right. Um, it's gonna be this is gonna be wild, big deal, obviously. Uh, and then Dylan Gabriel bails on UCLA to jump to <laughs> OU, which is funny. That was yeah, like so. Yes, in a span of 19 days, he went from UCF to UCLA to Oklahoma, and yeah, like <laughs> Caleb Williams, like the the send button on Caleb's uh, Twitter thing to to announce that he was leaving wasn't even cold yet before Dylan Gabriel was was taking his spot. All right, so Pat, your question. You already had a video fun. done too, which I thought was pretty interesting. Like that's <laughs> that was that was ready ready to rip. We'll talk more Oklahoma and where they are because I think they're the one of the most fascinating programs, and Brent Venables is the most fascinating positions of all. But we got a long off season, and yeah. we got to get to this, this little title game thing. Also, big deal. Bruce Feldman reports Jim Harbaugh might be kinda could be interested in the uh, going back to the NFL. One of these great, you know, throw out the flyer. Uh, I trust that report uh, 100%. A, he's always interested in going back to the NFL. B, it's been a couple of days. He hasn't said a peep. Even coaches that are trying to get back to the NFL usually put something out going, oh, no, I would never leave Michigan, right? We will see. But what are your thoughts on does Harbaugh, after seven years in Ann Arbor, does he say, hey, look, I, I want to go, you know, what What are your thoughts? What is the chances that Jim Harbaugh Wins the Big Ten for the first time in, since 2004 in Ann Arbor. Beats Ohio State. Gets to a playoff. 4-10 win season. And says, I'm out of here. I'm going back to coach the Bears, which I used to play for. Or I'm going to Vegas and coach the Raiders or, or whatever's up. Yeah, I, I mean, I was in uh, South Florida with Michigan and obviously against Georgia down there. And there was some talk about it there. And people thought that this is legitimate interest, um, you know, that that – that he might have been a little bit more chapped by the having his salary slashed than he ever let on, uh, that he did not really like that arrangement, but didn't want to didn't want to walk away from Michigan, didn't have a whole lot of other options, so he wrote it out. And, you know, some people say this could be a leverage play to get back all of that money and then some, but I, I do think that with with Harbaugh, he's such a prideful guy that it's probably more like, hey, you 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 basically pushed me in a corner and tried to run me out. And then I showed how good I can be here, and I'm I'm ticked off. And I do think he he would not mind coaching again in the NFL. He was good at it. Got that close to winning a Super Bowl, boy. That's got to leave that taste in your mouth, man. Uh, so it would not shock me. Uh, now I would also say this: if he does go, I mean, Michigan would be a super attractive job. But I think they like their in-house people. I think they like Josh Gaddis, and I think they like Mike Hart, who does not have a coordinator title but was a beloved Michigan player who came in and is apparently a real like program force. He was a real positive influence at Indiana. He went back to Michigan. People really thought he had a big impact there as well. So uh, I think Michigan feels like even if they lose him, they may have some people in-house. They may look at other people as well, but uh, I, I think they like their in-house candidates. Yeah, I would think they'd have to go outside if they if if Harbaugh did leave. I, I would think that Matt Campbell would be the you know would be the obvious choice. And I know he might not be scorching hot after uh, seven and six or whatever they finished up. You know they were they, they underwhelmed this season certainly, but just his resonance in the Midwest and head coaching experience, I would uh, I would think. But maybe the Marcus Freeman promotion becomes a bit of a trend here. Uh, if Michigan did open now, they'd have a huge advantage in that they'd have the market to themselves. So. They wouldn't have to rush. They could take their time. They could really go be deliberate and see who wants that. Uh, see who wants that job. 
I do think, despite the Ohio State ties, Luke Fickle would would be an attractive candidate there. Um, he's the the best group of five coach on the board right now, and he obviously just authored a historic season. And there is some laundry issues, if you will, because of the rivalry and the side of it that uh, that, that he was on. But I would think that uh, you know, err on the side of experience there. If uh, if that did happen, but will Harbaugh leave? I don't know. I mean, Dan, you said in your column, I thought you said it really well. Like, no one can predict what Jim Harbaugh is going to do. Nobody knows what he's just a a aloof, bizarre guy who keeps to himself a little bit, and he's is very always been very difficult to. Uh, other than when he like went scorched earth on the 49ers and wanted to get fired, <laughs> that was the, most, the only obvious point of uh, of of his career. But I really think that it he's he's been there what eight years now. Seven, seven, seven years now, and that's that's a long time for Jim Harbaugh to to have stayed anywhere in his never been anywhere uh, in, longer than four. Yeah, in his in his in his coaching career. So, and he's fifty eight. He's older than you uh, older than you think. So, does he take a peek back at the NFL? Does NFL take a peek back at him? I think you know the Raiders were mentioned in the Athletic report. I really think the Dolphins, if they lose this week, Stephen Ross has always had a shine. He tried to hire Harbaugh to Stanford a couple years ago. Stephen Ross, the Michigan Business School, is named after him. I do think the the Dolphins, if Stephen Ross knows he could get him, that could affect the Dolphins' decision-making. And there's like a, a strong personal relationship there. And Ross wouldn't feel like he's as much taking Michigan. Like Harbaugh's had what he's called one of the great seasons in school history. So, And the program's not in some, you know, the program's a pretty good shape right now. It's the best shape it's been in in a, in a couple years, probably since since 16, 17 around then. So now again, there's all these conflicted alma mater stuff. Would he do that? But that's I think that would certainly loom as another option. And the Bears are hard to tell just because no one really knows what's going to happen with their front office. So it's always hard to project who a coach is going to be when you don't know who's going to be hiring the uh, hiring the coach. Um, it will be interesting, but I mean, who would have thought a year ago we we're talking about Jim Harbaugh as a you know as an NFL candidate uh, when you know he entered the season uh, as the face of the hot seat? Harbaugh, he's never happy, whether that's a flaw or that's the success. That's the reason for the success. So he's always fighting with somebody. He's oh, I mean, that's why he burns hot. He runs guys out. It, it's just he's he's not easy to be around. It's this is like the fifth place that's like, oh, my God. Right. He's always battling someone. There's no just like, you know, I think Coach William Christopher Sweeney wakes up most days like loving Clemson and happy with all the people and walking it, you know, like walking. That's not Jim Harbaugh. Right. Everything's got to be some kind of scrap. And so, yeah, he wears people out. He wears himself out. He doesn't know what's going on. Does he go? A couple things. When he started, this was about settling family business, writing the ship. You forget how bad they got. Brady Hoke. Rich Rodriguez combined to go 24 and 32 in the Big Ten. You can prop up some games. They were bad. It wasn't about beating Ohio State. It was about beating anybody. They were bad. He was supposed to come back. He wasn't going to come back to college. He was a pro coach. That was the big thing. Why would Jim Harbaugh leave the pros? Talk about the Super Bowl he almost won. I mean, that was a goal line stand by Baltimore to stop him. That was one of the most crushing losses to his brother, right, you you get. Uh, The year prior, lost in the NFC Championship game when Richard Sherman batted away, one of the greatest plays you'll ever see by a cornerback, batted away at the end of the game. Otherwise, they go to the Super Bowl that year. Seattle wins easy, okay? The year after he made the Super Bowl, they lose an overtime to the Giants in the NFC Championship game. And the Giants go on to win the Super Bowl. Um, So you can't get much closer. Five playoff wins is a ton for an NFL coach. Three conference championship games and one Super Bowl. So... Does he want to go back and settle that? Because I think Jim Harbaugh is, of all the people, knows 
this is like he said, this is one of the greatest seasons in Michigan history. It is. This is what Michigan is. They never win national championships. They're never number one. What they are is really, really good and consistently good. And he has got them that. He won them their Big Ten. He beat Ohio State. Check it off. I can go now. And so I think there's a big difference now. If that had happened a couple years ago, he may not still be there. I think that part is real. The other thing, and we talk about NIL, transfer portal, all this stuff, this is a totally different job than he took seven years ago, right? It was like, come back to college, hang out in your hometown in Ann Arbor. Everyone loves you. All your friends, your alums, do some recruiting, coach them. I remember him saying, it's not that much different than the pros, all this different stuff. Now, it's like, you just added a million things that I don't want to deal with. And it's like, eh. I'll go to the Bears, right? Like, this is now all sorts of complications. So, I don't know. Um, I think he could absolutely go if somebody wants him. Mike Hart, um, Mike Hart was interesting because when he was a player, he stated as a player, I want to be the Michigan head coach. I remember being like, wow, that's really interesting and forward thinking because you never hear that from a player. Like, I'm going to be the head coach here someday. I don't know if he gets it. I would agree. You go Luke Fickle and you go, dude, really? You're going to care that much? <laughs> right. You gotta yeah. bring that. Take off like, your I, scarlet and gray underwear. I mean, like that's I would say, like, if you could get Luke Fickle, go get Luke Fickle. Absolutely. I think that's that, that's the no brainer number one Luke choice. Fickle's, if Luke Fickle is gonna be like that loyal to Ohio State, like, all right, but man, this is a great job now, and you could kill it. We talked about Bill O'Brien. Like, I don't understand everyone's hate of Bill O'Brien. Like, guy was good at Penn State. He was good with the Texans. He was a bad GM. He got in a fight with DeAndre Hopkins. Like, these things don't, this is not, there's no translation, you know? Two years ago, this weekend, he led Patrick Mahomes 24-0 to in a playoff game. And they blew it, and the whole thing's collapsed on Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien be good? I don't know. We'll see. But it's got to open first. But anyway, Michigan could be, could be very, very interesting. And we'll see if any, if they dip in, you know, to the Bears go for anybody else in the college ranks. Uh, we'll see. All right. Let's get to these title games, right? Oh, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Oh, by the way. Some football. Um, Sully's got this. The, the TV ratings weren't tremendous for the semis. I mean, what do you want? It's New Year's Eve and the, there were blowouts. Um, mid-afternoon on a weekday. Yeah. I mean, 16 million tuning in is pretty good, actually, considering they do everything they can so you won't watch. Uh, and we still watch. So, you know, whatever. This Hopefully this never happens again. It's not planning on it. George Klyakov, Pac-12 commissioner, was on the John Canzano show in Portland, basically saying he thinks we're stuck with this for the next until the, the contract ends. Uh, he he kind of threw water on the idea that there would be any kind of compromise before. He wants one, but here we are, I guess. I'll give him also credit. He he leans into the 0-5 in the bowls, and we were terrible this year. Yeah, no, he was he was very upfront about that. Um, so that's good. He, he also said like they had a up. terrible regular season too. He just wasn't yeah. like yeah. it. Yeah. He did not sp- like. He did not spin that much. Much at all. Got down to the X's yeah. and O's too. He's like, we're we're down in the trenches right now. You know, yeah. Yeah. it's true. It's pretty good. Yeah, wasn't one of these. Well, we have quality kids though, and we're developing leaders for tomorrow, and yeah, all that. So uh, I don't know where we'll be with the playoff. We'll see. They they are expected to get together all the all the grand poobahs, uh in Indianapolis this weekend. Uh, at least informally. I don't know if there's, there's a set meeting or whatever. Um, we'll see. Maybe this, the sheer fact that uh, a bunch of Alabama and Georgia fans are chanting SEC through the heart of the Midwest uh, <laughs> will, will spur change. I don't know. But let's get to this. We saw this game a uh, month ago, almost a month ago. Yeah, Alabama, be, uh... 
Yeah, like five Bama, weeks between. Five weeks. Bama 41, Georgia 24. Uh, game was dominated by Bryce Young, 26 of 44, 421 passes, passing yards, three TDs passing, a rushing TD. Uh, Stetson Bennett was uh, through three TDs but had a big pick. You know, Saban is, is 24 and one against former assistants, which Kirby Smart is. Only Jimbo Fisher has beat him. Uh, thoughts going into this game. I, I mean, this is going to get broken down a million ways, but just what, what, what are you focused on going into this game here? Uh, my focus is George's ability to affect Bryce Young. I think that's going to be not everything, but a huge, huge thing. Uh, I, they did. They got. They had zero sacks of Young when they played in the SEC championship game. It's the only game all year Georgia did not record a sack. They had, I think, forty-two of them on the season, and they lit up Michigan's quarterbacks. They've lit up every quarterback. They couldn't light up him, and that's partly due to the fact that Young is a superb athlete who could maneuver out of trouble a lot of times. But it's also due to the fact that while they blitzed some, they didn't throw a lot necessarily at him I think they were more concerned about trying to bracket both wide receivers uh Jamison Williams and John Mechie because they were concerned that their corners were the weak link and they are the weak link although Darian Kendrick played awfully well against Michigan now you've only got one of those two wide receivers to deal with so I think you can be a little bit more hell-bent on getting to the quarterback up front and so I would expect them to throw much more at Young in that respect and like Bryce Young was brilliant in that game. I mean, he was awesome. I got to see him do it again because that was, I thought, by far the best game I've seen him play. He was, I mean, he was really good against like New Mexico State and uh, Southern Miss, and he was very good against Arkansas. I mean, he had a great season, but I also saw him struggle for 58 minutes against Auburn and struggle against LSU and struggle against Tennessee and at times struggle against uh, Texas A&M. And I, so I, I, if I'm Georgia, I'm saying, man, our defense is better than them. And our defense is better than it showed. And we're going to go out and show it. We're going to play physical and we are going to get after the quarterback. And then we'll see if they can possibly replicate that performance. Well, Pat stole my uh, my number one uh, my number one That's talking point. That's pretty much everybody's yeah. talking point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean. So I, I will say this. What I did one of these, uh, I'm doing one of these stories for Yahoo uh, later in the week where I talked to a bunch of coaches who played both teams and they break it down. And I'm going to attempt to go a little bit outside my comfort zone here because I thought the best point came from an SEC DC who watched the SEC championship and then the, uh, and then the, 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 the semis. So Georgia runs uh, what's called simulated pressures, right? And we've talked a little bit about these on the pod. They are basically... If, if you rush somebody from like linebacker, for example, your defensive end drops into coverage, right? So you're not actually giving up a numeric advantage. You're just sort of taking one from, you know, if you send in a rusher, you send somebody else out. The This coach thought that they were tipping their hand defensively when they were going to run simulated pressures, which meant they were going to play zone. And he felt like the combination of the lack of pass rush, which Pat brought up, combined with pre-snap tipping through pre-snap motions, um, gave Bryce Young just a very clear picture of what to expect. And what we saw from him in that game is he was very comfortable and he knew exactly where to go. And that, that the, the simulated pressures became predictable and it gave Bryce Young a, a chance to pick apart the defense like he did. The other thing the simulated pressures do is 
Auburn's success came on the edge. When you really look at what Auburn did to Alabama to affect that game and to slow them down, they had dominant edge rushers. Some of Georgia was sending those ends back into coverage, took away potential uh, edge advantages. The the right tackle has been the weakness for for Alabama all season, and they maybe didn't take as much advantage of that because they're running simulated pressures. Okay, again, these are this is sort of a combination of conversations with uh, with a bunch of coaches who who watch this game. So you wonder if perhaps Georgia tries to go a little bit more mano mano and keeps the pressure on the edges and maybe does a little less simulated pressure, especially if they feel like Alabama can figure out what they're going to do pre-snap. So that chess match and how they figure out how to generate pressure becomes, you know, the focal point of uh, of the game we'll all be watching. And then then it's your guy, Stetson Bennett, Dan, the law firm. Will, will Sully be able to hang in like he did against Michigan? I mean, he picked Michigan apart over the top underneath with his legs. He was He was dynamic. Does he transcend game manager and can he hang in the pocket with will anderson barreling down on him and 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 figure out a way to pull out a win big deal they beat michigan with those quick passes to the side i just don't think i think alabama is going to tackle in space better and you know we'll we'll see but this is a very much a a coaching matchup like this is very much i mean what does stetson bennett do i guess we can go we can move right to picking them but i mean my thing with this is like you go into the game Who's got the best? Who's got the better quarterback? Alabama. Who's got the best player in the field? Will Anderson, Alabama. Who's got the best coach? Alabama. Who won the last time? Alabama. I keep trying to talk myself into Georgia. I try to, and then who do I never, who am I supposed to never pick against? (laughs) (laughs) Alabama. (laughs) Stetson Bennett's going to do this. I hope it's going to be an amazing story if he doesn't. It's going to be an amazing story that in this era of five-star upon five-star upon five-star upon uh, Alabama needs another resell, we'll take another star from Ohio State, transfer over. That this guy, a former walk-on who Pat's great story about him, had half a locker when he showed up, and uh, somebody said he, he took a, he actually visited UMass to go play for UMass. Like, that's <laughs> so bad. I don't know if that's true. Uh, this guy, who everyone said can't, isn't good enough, including me, wins it. It's going to be a great, great story. Like it's, and as someone who roots for stories, I'm good with that. I'm not one of these, like, like some of these guys on TV get really upset when they're like, predictions don't work. <laughs> I can care like, I said he was great. You know, um, I don't care. Yeah. He does it. Unbelievable. He will go down as an all-time legend. I think there is enormous pressure. I, I, I feel like the Georgia fans are just in panic right now. It's been uh, 41 years. 1980. 1980. Um, which is a whole different era. And worse, I think, I was I was on um, down with Ryan Brown and the guys down in uh, Birmingham this morning on, on the radio or their show. If you're a Georgia fan, not only have you not won it in 41 years, but everybody else has won it. <laughs> Clemson's won it. Tennessee's won it. Florida. Georgia Tech's won it. Yeah. Florida, Auburn, Alabama. You're damn surrounded by these guys. Your yep. neighbors are all had the national title. Plus a bunch lately. In, in Clemson, Bama, and Auburn. And you're just like, when's our turn? And if it's not this year, when? Now, the way they're recruiting, the the the, the way Kirby is a good coach, they're going to get enough swings at the bat. They're going to win one of these eventually. It's like that, those great basketball teams, where the great basketball coach, it's like when you're going to make the Final Four or the, the golfer, when you're going to win your first major. It's going to happen. Well, man, is it going to hurt if it isn't Monday night? 
Yeah. Like, you know, so those are the storylines, non-technical. You talked earlier about how all the oxygen's on Caleb Williams and Jim Harbaugh and all stuff. It is. I think fans are excited to watch this game purely for the game. I think the neutral fan is like, all right, these are the two best teams I want to watch. But there's not those compelling story. Like Kirby Smart is not like he's not this beloved coach. Like he's like, I don't think like I think he's a good coach, but I don't think you look at him and be like, oh, there's a lovable, huggable guy. Like there's right. I, there's no, just not I, there's not a lot of there's not a soap opera in this. They're not fighting with each other, the schools. You're not having a conference rivalry. The biggest controversy is a bunch of Bama and Georgia fans bitching it's gonna be cold in Indiana. Like <laughs> So I think people yeah. are excited to watch the actual football game. I mean, I think the, you know, if you're looking for storyline beyond matchup, uh, it's just the fact that Alabama has absolutely tortured the hell out of Georgia. You know, I mean, and that's <laughs> and, and, and smart coached under Saban and was brought to Georgia to do what Saban did. And he has, except Saban's still there and still in the way. And so that's the issue there. And I mean, they have played four times before this uh, with Smart against Saban and every single game Georgia has led, sometimes in almost commanding fashion. At some point in time, in every one of them, it looked like, oh, Georgia's got this. And then every single time, Alabama regroups and wins. And, you know, you go back, obviously the Tua bomb is is unparalleled in, in, the, in terms of that rivalry of just like gut punch. But still, Jalen Hurts comes off the bench to beat you in – the SEC championship game. And then this year you're up 10 to nothing and you've kind of got them on skates. And then you have the massive coverage bust and Jamison Williams scores and everything flips around when Georgia was sure they were going to win. And Georgia's fans were sure they were going to win in Atlanta. And they had more fans there. That was a hard one too. So that, that to me is the, the other interesting part of this, just how tortured is Georgia's psyche just at the very sight of Nick Saban in Alabama. The, the two of bomb, is a little bit like the JT Barrett fourth down is for Michigan, Ohio State. Like, yeah. if that Tua bomb is incomplete, and I believe that was on third and 10, uh, third, it was like third and 18. Second right? and 26, I believe. Second it was 26. Sorry. Second and yeah. 26. So then yeah. you're third Second and 26, you probably don't score. Um, so, and again, the Tua bomb was Devonta Smith, some, you know, unknown, uh, you know, whatever happened to that guy, right? Uh, so back up to be little tiny undersized receiver, just a couple freshman receiver. Yeah. Couple scrappers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I really think that, uh, yes, the, the, I wrote about this going into the SEC title game. There is a little bit of like Red Sox, Cubs, Rangers from the nineties. There is a little bit of like Georgia is that tortured fan base. It's a place that because of the passion, because of local recruiting base, should be better than it's been. If you look back at the last 40 years of Georgia football, they should have won a national title. Even Tennessee figured out how to do it, right, Sully? So um, <laughs> there, there sh- it should be a little bit better. Another point I thought that was interesting when you line these two up right now is uh, uh, one coach put it to me this way. He said, Alabama has the three best players in this game, all right? They have Bryce Young. They have Jamison Williams. They have Will Anderson, who's probably the best player in the game, to be honest. And then from there... Georgia probably has like most of four to 12, right? Like, again, I'm sure somebody smarter than us can go through and draft them all and figure it out. But like Georgia has more high-end talent. Alabama has the highest-end talent. And that's the fundamental tension of this game. Can Georgia make the sum of their more talented team to be better than to, 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 to build up and, and reflect the parts? 
And I think if there's been, and I have not been that critical of Kirby Smart. He's been made some mistakes, but I feel like if you really look at the body of work and where he's pulled the program from, he's done an excellent job overall. But has Georgia always been better than the sum of its parts? And, you know, there's there's moments where they have not been. Um, you look back at, like, a loss to South Carolina here, and you look at some of these Alabama games, like, they probably should have won one of these games somewhere along the line. And so I do think the psyche of Kirby is an interesting storyline as as you push forward because he has built a monster, recruited like crazy, and they have elite – Kobe Dean is an elite player. They have wonderful – I mean, Jordan Davis is an elite player. They have just talented dudes oozing around the field. Their backups are talented dudes. So, yeah, I'm excited. I, I think it's going to be a, a heck of a football game. But I, I do understand a little bit why the buildup is muted. Like we saw it three weeks ago. These are teams that there aren't a ton of fresh, fresh stories about. And then there's just a lot of stuff going on, too. That And there's like an awkward, you know, like the Texas Bowl gets played. There's just like an awkward period of time. There's not like an organic buildup like the Super Bowl has where that's the show for either a week or two weeks. And the NFL sucks a ton of attention out of, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a really big deal on college football podcasts and radio shows in certain markets. But like... If you go to L.A. or Chicago or New York or Boston, like they're just not even Detroit. They're not talking about college football right now. Yeah, I did something on WFAN last week, the day of the uh, Orange Bowl on New Year's Eve. And then they were like, oh, we're just going to take a break here to talk about college football. Huh? What a little, you know, that, that is like very niche, niche. Yeah, we're kind of interested, but not really. Are these guys NFL prospects or not? Was right. basically. It's, it's, right. Antonio Brown is setting the world on fire. Yeah. Everyone wants that. So. All right. So let's make our picks here. Okay. This will be the final game unless we, well, you know what? Let's pick the SCS title game anyway. I have, a, I have a assured victory in the bowl challenge. I am the national champion. Oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Never bet bowls, people. Never yeah. bet bowls. Bet them. I'm 20 and 14 this and one. Basically champion. a Helms Foundation 1920s national championship you're declaring. No, no. Expand the playoff and give me a chance to come back and look what happened. 1950 Kentucky <laughs> guys, Banner. You guys yeah. want these old, oh, only two teams get in, only two teams. No, 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 no. We got hot at the right time. We're like the 9-7 and seven Giants beating the 18-0 and 0 Patriots. Oh, my God. Don't worry about it. Champion. What do you call Michael <laughs> Strahan? What do you call him? up at for that gross Texas I call Michael bowl. Strahan a morning talk show. You host. call him a, a Super Bowl champion. What do you call Eli Manning? Super Bowl champion. Don't worry about that little regular season. <laughs> David did- Tyree, Super Bowl champion. Me, national champ. Me. <laughs> Sully, what did the line end up on that LSU uh, K-State game? Oh, it was minus nine K-State by the end of it. Okay. Boy, yeah. Should have been, been minus 20. I don't, right, so I don't bet, but that was, that was an opportunity to make some money. Yes. <laughs> they're running, that was, that was they're the running a high school ever. offense. Like, poorly, by the oh, way, too. Poorly. All right. Also, so the big, the big uh, event from that game uh, was Brian Kelly doing an interview during the game. Yeah. <laughs> where Tim Hasselbeck uh, made fun of his accent and Burke Kelly, I think was trying to own it, trying to do the, the whole family thing. Uh, he then said, uh, we don't have strong accents in Boston. Now people <laughs> mm. flipped out because of course that's absolutely nuts. I had to literally learn how to re-talk as an adult. <laughs> I had to learn how to speak. I had the worst Boston accent. I got made fun of for my Boston accent at the university of Massachusetts. That's how bad the <laughs> accent was. 
I then took a job as a newspaper reporter for the old Indianapolis News, and I was out on the streets, and I could not, we were not talking the same language. I had to learn to speak again. You needed a translator at the, so, at the noodle to order I, a Guinness? It, yeah. it was a disaster. I was a police reporter. I was out, like, interviewing people after fires in their house. They'd be like, what? I was, it was awful. <laughs> this would have been hysterical. I was just, it was not going well. They never should have hired me because I didn't speak English. <laughs> Certainly didn't speak Hoosier. Uh, I do think Brian Kelly is being sarcastic, by the way. Yeah, like Brian Kelly, if, if, yes, if he's nothing uh, else, he is relentlessly sarcastic. He was trying to be doesn't... funny. It was a joke. We, yeah, that no, was like, good. He's just I terrible laugh. at it. He's bad jokes, but it's like, this is what happens on social media. Like, if you're not in the cool kid club, you're just like, oh, look at what an, <laughs> an idiot. Carpet it's like, come on, man. Like, I'm sorry. You know, like, why are we hating Brian Kelly again? Like, what? I don't get the memos. Is there a memo? Can I get on the mailing list, the newsletter in the morning, and my email? What, like who uh, were allowed? Like this who, guy who you should be nice to and who you should be mean to? Yeah. I mean, this was obviously a joke. He was joking with another guy from Boston about it. I was like, come on. That's just like I don't know. People get. I mean, man. That's why I try to stay off of that stuff. But like, you go on Twitter and it's just. I mean, you could. You would have thought he's. He, I don't know what you would have thought. Not. Not. Uh, that was a little over the top. Uh, but anyway. Vengeful, Sully. You were probably piling on, weren't you? Yes. Yeah. See, you're mean. Yeah. Can we be nicer, Sully? I, I mean, uh, how do you like them apples? It's a pretty famous quote. I mean, come on, that's a layup. <laughs> I assure you, anyone from Everett who went to St. John's Prep is well aware of the accent. Oh yeah, it's still it's still funny. <laughs> He's the son of a Chelsea alderman. <laughs> Nobody growing up in Boston didn't know they had an accent. <laughs> Well, they just they just think it's the accent, so there is no accent. Yeah, but then you leave, and you're like, "Holy sh!" Like he had to learn. He went. <laughs> you go like, "I can't even." I, I can imagine him trying to recruit in Grand Valley State at the time. Like I got to He did the same thing I did. He stopped talking like it. All right, Montana State versus North Dakota State, noon, ESPN two, NDSU giving seven and a half. One sixteenth of all NFL starting quarterbacks on Sunday were from NDSU. <laughs> Bison have won eight of the last 10 title games. Break up the Bison. Are they ruining the sport like Nick Saban? I don't know. Is Gino Ariyama the coach? Jaria. <laughs> John Wooden is uh, up there. No one knows. No one's actually seen them play. Um, Montana State's got a great story. Freshman quarterback Tommy Mellett. He's from Butte, Montana. Local kid. They call him Touchdown Tommy. Uh, can he bring it home for Montana State? Butte's supposed to have an unbelievable St. Patrick's Day. Like a bunch of they Irish went, Butte, went out yeah. there. Uh, yeah, you know, Butte. Yeah, Butte's supposed to really get after <laughs> really? it on St. Patrick's Day. You guys are saying this like it's common knowledge. Oh, it's yeah. true. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's true. Butte's, yeah, Butte rocks I've been to Butte. on St. Patrick's Day. What? What? <laughs> I, hold on now. I have been to Butte. Vastly underrated drinking town. Not even rated. <laughs> well, I mean, they got like 700 bars in Butte. <laughs> Go to Butte. Okay, it's just a little, I mean, everything's I've a little I've been to Bozeman, I've been to Billings, but I have not been to Butte. I haven't covered my three Bs of Montana yet. Drive into oh. Butte. I, okay. Apparently, they just have, like, these bars from when the guys came out of the mines and just drank, like, <laughs> like got miners coming out of the mines, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like the Wild West. They have, like, a thousand bars in Butte. It's like, it is literally is like, the Wild West. Yeah. It's like... It's like Vegas popped up in the middle. Like, I, watched, what? I watched the local TV's uh, uh, package where they interviewed a bar, a local bar owner, and he was exactly what you would think a local bar owner from Butte looked like. 
He was like, oh, yeah, touchdown, Tommy. I don't want to put the pressure on him, but, you know, build the statue. <laughs> build the All statue. right. There were over 50 bars in Butte, Montana. Really? Yeah, How many according people to live travel, there? I'm going to find that out. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 34,000 people live in Butte, Montana. That's got to be oh, up there with Athens, bars. Georgia for 50 bars, bars per capita. There's at least 50. per bar. That's pretty good per capita. This is this is per visit Butte. There's a <laughs> tough job, man. <laughs> Billings only has 109,000 people. I would have just thought it was a little bigger. Or 700, I should say. 700. One bar for 700. That's there's one street that's like crazy. I I, I don't I don't know. Probably Main Street or Butte Street. I don't know. Anyway, don't sleep on Butte. Okay. All right. All you, I want to hear from the Butte people. Tell me how good it is. I think I was at the uh, Silver Dollar, maybe or something. I don't know. Anyway. We've been told. Well, I'm sure good a few of the thirty-two thousand Butte residents listen to the pod. So oh, I think we're do. big in Butte. Big they in do. Butte. Yeah. Listen, if there's a secret place to get hammered in this country, I found it. Okay. <laughs> That's that's your biggest contribution to mankind and to podkind right there. <laughs> that's all I got. I can't really tell you. Bar recommendations for everyone, Notice no matter where I they had, go. I had nothing to say when Pete was breaking down the pass rush. I was just like, <laughs> 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 the only simulated pressure, pressure no, you have is when you can't yes. get to the bar and you need a drink. <laughs> all right. I want somebody send me a picture of you drinking in Butte. Yeah, we need that. We need that. All right, Pat, who's going to win the game? Well, it's bison season. Uh, they always win. You said it eight out of 10. I was asking before the pod if if people are, you know, whining about them like people whine about Alabama, like they're ruining the sport. I don't, I don't know whether they do or not. But since my father's born and raised in North Dakota and I still have family in North Dakota, yes, I am sticking with the bison to win and cover the seven and the hook. Go NDSU. Yeah, I feel like Montana State's a little bit of a uh, Cinderella story this year. They, they've had an unbelievable season. Uh, Brent Vegan, who was uh, Carson Wentz's OC and uh, quarterback coach for part of his time at North Dakota State, has just gone there from Wyoming last year and really done a great job, uh, you know, juice, juicing up that program and getting to this point. I just don't think they have the personnel to overtake the Bison. But I will be curious to see what, what we really need from people is it's a 10 a.m. kick. Montana Ooh. time Ooh. on Saturday. So what we really want is some some 9.30 a.m. Butte bar picks to show up in our in our Twitter <laughs> timelines. Yeah. It's an 11 a.m. kick right uh, in North Dakota time, but 10 a.m. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Montana mountain time, time yeah. it's, uh, it's yeah. 10 a.m. All right, two things. Montana State is not in Butte, but I'm sure they'll be rooting Correct. for Montana Yeah, but State. for Touchdown Tommy. And, yes, Touchdown Tommy. And Fargo is a hell of a drinking town, too. So oh, yeah. let's not no. like the Fargo people. They're going to they're going to buck up on this and go, wait a minute now. <laughs> I mean, it's freezing up there. What else you got to do? I mean, that's what you have to do. That's what you have to do. God, I love it. I'd like to be in Fargo this weekend. The only person who'd say that anyway, I, I am not going to take I, I, touchdown. Tommy, go get him. But I'm, I'm not stupid. I'm betting NDSU. Simple as that. They win every year. Go with it. They, so, someone needs to get. Someone has to dismantle the program. It's the way SEC boosters should have all, all the schools in the SEC should have piled in like 20 million each and paid Nick Saban, uh, I guess that would have been $220 million or something to retire <laughs> like 10 years ago. Yeah, Just pay right. him to never coach again. Go away. <laughs> and think about how much defensive coordinator buyout money you would have saved. 
Like you guys are doing this NIL thing wrong. Somebody NIL Nick Saban to go retire. Yeah, if they if they if they would have paid if they would have paid off Saban to go away so what six seven years ago there'd be three or four more national titles for someone else in the SEC. Yeah, yeah. You want to win? Get that guy out. All right, yep. Sully, who are you picking? This is like the Bourbon Bowl, the nineteen ninety nine Bourbon Bowl, where Coach Klein had the playbook. Brent Viggen doesn't have the water boy, but he's got touchdown Tommy. I'm taking the <laughs> underdog. Let's go. Let's go, Bobcats. Let's, I, I, I believe in you. It's going to be a low scoring game, two very similar teams, defense, run the ball, that type of thing. So cover, cover, Bobcats. Come on. Title game. Georgia given three over unders 51.5 on uh, Bet MGM. Uh, Bama, eight and six against the spread. Georgia, nine and five against the spread. I'll say this everyone got chapped when uh, somebody, remember, it was like, you pick against Bama and remember, and then they beat Georgia and everyone went crazy. Like their fans went bananas. How could you pick against Bama? It's because you lost six times against the spread this year. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay, I mean, if I only pick you, I'm, I'm two over 500. Someone like me who's 20 and 14, no. you can't just have that kind of <laughs> great pickers like me. I can't great have it. Pickers like you. Georgia, nine and five against the spread. Pete, who you got? I'm going to go with Georgia. Despite Dan's very, very straightforward argument for Alabama, which is they beat them last time. You never pick against Alabama. Kirby's 0-4. I just think the totality of Georgia's talent will allow them to kind of go haymaker for haymaker with Alabama this time around. I have more faith in Stetson Bennett than most on this podcast. Maybe not as much as Pat, but more than the others. And I really do think that the loss to Alabama recentered Georgia in a uh, in a way that's going to have them really ready for uh, ready for this game, and, and I'd be stunned if they went and did not sack Bryce Young this time. Georgia can't get behind because they're not built to come from behind. And look, they got ahead last game; it didn't do them much good. I really feel like I agree with Vegas. I think it's going to be a close game. I think Georgia wins twenty three to twenty. Yeah, pretty low scoring. I agree. I mean, I was going to say like twenty four to twenty because the spread I think is three, so I'm taking Georgia to cover. This is, I, look, it's going to be a tough man contest. It's going to be great players against great players who pound each other. And I think it's going to be a little bit more of a phone booth game than the last one was, which became a little more spread out track meet sort of game. But, you know, like digressing just for a moment, but what Georgia did to Michigan physically, if you saw the number of clips of them just obliterating people, knocking them to the ground, holy crap, Michigan. Get in the weight room. And that's not to say you're weak. That's just how strong Georgia is. But if you want to compete with those guys, you got to not have your linemen just getting absolutely obliterated. It's not going to – Georgia and, and Alabama, one of them's not going to obliterate the other, but they will absolutely hammer one another. Um, I, I Talking to the Georgia people that day after the game at, at the SEC championship, they came out and they were like – they were pissed, but they were like, okay, we're, our season's not over. We're going to come back right back at him. We are not going out like this. And so I think that there was a real determination to figure out what went wrong, get better from that. And I look at a Georgia team that's played 13 really damn good games and one crappy one. I just look at Alabama. I think they've played more crappy games and fewer great games. I think the tables get turned, and I'm, I'm taking the dogs here. Beautiful. Thank you guys for letting me pick Bama. This is amazing. I, I, you know, I mean, they just played a month ago and, and Bama blew them out. Yes, Kirby Smart has a month to, to fix those the bugaboos that they had in that SEC title game. But Bama, 
they also have had a, a, a long time to, to game plan and, and counteract the pressure that George is going to bring. So yeah, give me Bryce Young, give me Will Anderson, give me the three points. Best coach, best player, best quarterback. Beat them last time. They always win, and I'm getting three points. No problem. Roll tie. Also, the over the last four times these guys have played has hit three times over this number. So it might be a low scoring slog, but historically it hasn't between these two. What's the, what's the number, Sully? 51 and a half. 51 and a half? It's, eh, we'll see. I'll stick with the under. It's going to be good. It's going to yeah. be good. Going to be a good one. All right. Well, we'll be back after that game to uh, break it down. Uh, here on the pod. We hope everyone has a good weekend and uh, can't wait for it. We will uh, appreciate everybody subscribing. Stick with us this offseason. It's, it's as fun It's as fun as ever. We never don't have a good time. There's plenty of... plenty. Everyone's like, what do you talk about in the offseason? Like, do you follow this sport? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's constant mayhem. <laughs> we literally will be sitting there in May. There's usually like one pod a year. We're like, boy, not much going on today. Like, it's like June 4th or something. Like, every other time, it's like, we can't get to all this stuff. Right. So stick with us. We appreciate it. We had incredible growth this year. Um, Pod's done great, and we can't do it without you. We have a lot of fun doing it. It's a highlight of most of our weeks. Uh, these guys don't really have very good lives. I have other things, but <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the better parts of my week. But uh, no, Spending thank time you. with you is the highlight of Pat and I's week. It's Sully's. Yes, That's it should right. be. Should yeah. be. Should be. Thank you for gracing us with your presence. You're welcome. You're welcome. Part of the job, but you're welcome. Uh, all right. Talk to you later. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.